Hey guys, welcome back to the Detour Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Jones. Joined as always, four-time national road champion from Australia, Johnny Chavara. And we are on time and it's Thursday night and everything's going well so far, Johnny. Well-oiled machine. <laughs> now, what can I say to that? What can I say to that? Well, I thought you'd say something more than just poof. But uh, tonight's show is a bit of an eclectic mix. We're going to be deep diving into what it takes to become a world tour mechanic because we've got a lot of bike buffs that tune into this show and you can have comments live and questions and that's with Craig Geeter a little bit later on. Uh, we've got a great shot of him. It looks like Carl Pilkington. Remember that Ricky Gervais's mate? I do. A very, I do. very similar personality. We've got, <laughs> we're going to fire up the detour DeLorean with Geeter as well because we did shoot a few things with him at Green Edge. But also what's important is when we talk about bike races, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes, as you well know, John, because you plug the Bay Crits every bloody show. But it's very important to recognise that work as well. And we've got Karen Jones that's going to join us soon, who's just run the Tour of Gippsland. She's going to be doing the Tour of Warrnambool coming up, which is... It's Melbourne and Warrnambool. Tour of Warrnambool. Melbourne and Warrnambool. It was a well-oiled machine. Um, but And that's one of Australia's... It's Australia's oldest race, but I think it's the second in the world in terms of oldest race as well, isn't it? Yeah, sec- second oldest race in the world behind, uh, I think it's Liège, Baston Liège. So mm. uh, it's only a couple of years uh, difference, like 1890 something uh, it, mm. it started. It's got a, a, a fantastic history. Uh, and uh, Karen Jones is a legend. She's been running events. Um, in, in Australia, around Australia for a long, long time, but uh, she's been the, to mention the Bay Crits. She's been the, the the backbone of the Bay Crits for quite a few years, and now and it's the whole family. Me, it's the whole family. It is the whole family. So, <clears throat> Brett, <clears throat> Brenton Jones, who's star rider, who was one of the champions, uh, um, just gone by in two of Gippsland. Husband Chris, who is the silent worker of the family, he is just a wonderful man and uh, just never never stops working <laughs> and mitch the son uh, he the younger son he is also in there working uh and then jared was uh on the shram uh motorbike so the whole family is involved that's fantastic all right well let's bring in the uh skipper karen jones welcome to the detour podcast how are you feeling hey, after tour of gippsland you've got a war wound I have got a war wound. I have. I had a fight with the stage trailer and I won. So, um, yeah, it's a bit sore. I did that was my joke. I was supposed to say that, Karen. Oh, the, the, you, you won. Don't come any tougher than Karen Jones. Yeah. Sorry, John. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me on, guys. Really, um, it's nice It's nice to be here and talking to you. It's not all about the other members of the family, Brenton and Jared, and certainly, um, certainly nice to come on and talk to you about all the events that are happening. If he, well, Tour of Gippsland, uh, it's had two years hiatus, uh, the whole COVID uh, thing. So it was a, a job to get it back on, but you've done very well because not only do you have an NRS race with the, the, the top women and men and a fantastic racing, but we also had a separate under 19 uh, men and women, <coughs> which was a selection race, uh, the first of the selection races uh, to pick the uh, world championship team. So, um, it was a lot of work. So tell us the, the hoops you had to go through to get all this across the line, Karen. And of course, it was the Mitchelton to to Kipsland. We forgot. To, you, you forgot that, Dan. Well covered. Yeah, sorry, mate. <laughs> sorry, Jerry. It, 
It certainly was the Mitchelton tour of Gippsland, and um, it, it's a lot of work to get uh, an event like this on the line. And as you say, two years in hiatus, um, getting everyone back into the momentum of uh, the events world, and uh, we literally put on four separate events over three days, um, which is a significant task. And you know, a very small team, a very capable and small team. And as you say, John, the under-19 inclusion was fantastic. And I only just had a lovely email today from one of the young riders um, from New South Wales, actually, who was, you know, absolutely over the moon about being able to participate and being included and, and is looking forward to coming back next year. So, you know, the feedback from sponsors, from council, from government has been um, exceptional. So we're thrilled. Well... We do have vision. Uh, we have prepared for this show, and we've got highlights of the final stage, which was around Phillip Island with uh, Ian Gates and his edit tricks crew and uh, SBS Cycling Central. So let's have a look at the highlights from the final day. The third and final stage of the Mitchelton Tour of Gippsland onto Phillip Island and into Rill for a criterion for both the men's and the women's. The women up first with the leader's jersey sitting on the shoulders of Georgie Howe, leading by more than 30 seconds ahead of Maeve Plouffe with Amber Pate in third position. 50 minutes of racing on a flat and fast course, there were ample efforts by the rivals of Georgie Howe to try and get away. At the first of the intermediate sprints was Plouffe picking up the maximum points in a small time bonus with Pate in second position as the yellow jersey Georgie Howe was using her Knights of Suburbia teammates just to mark her rivals and make sure that she could respond to any attacks. Coming down to the bell and it was all together it was a final sprint finish to decide stage honours as Georgie Howe had secured the yellow jersey. As they charged the line heading through the final corner it was Josie Talbot who caused the surprise getting the win in the pink colours of Sydney Uni Staminade with Maeve Plouffe in second position, Amber Pate in third. Yeah I love a good fast criterion with um, some technical corners and um, took us three days to get the win but we got there in the end. Georgie Howe going across the line in fourth position, the yellow jersey on her shoulders, securing the overall victory in the Tour of Gippsland. Like, we just have a phenomenal culture at this team. Um, we're in it for, not just for ourselves, we're in it for everyone involved. And what, and what Knights of Suburbia means as a, as a, um, as a modus operandi. Like, we're, we're, they really are in it for women's cycling and we really are here not just to roll around, we're here to make an impact and bring awareness to what Knights of Suburbia stands for. In the men's race, it was a tight lead for Kane Richards heading into the final stage, riding for ARA Pro Racing Sunshine Coast, just an eight-second buffer ahead of Liam Johnson in second position, followed by Cyrus Monk in third. A fast course across 50 minutes of racing, nobody was able to establish any significant breakaway. As they came down to the final few laps, the yellow jersey Kane Richards wasn't just worried about defending his lead, he was in to try and support his teammate Cam Scott, collect another victory for the team. As they rounded the final corner, it was Brenton Jones in the white colours who opened up the sprint, but Cam Scott proved too quick, making it two stage victories in a row and a clean sweep, three stage victories out of three for ARA Pro Racing Sunshine Coast. Scott with the win, Jones in second position, Miles Stewart was in third place. We couldn't ask for anything more really, we took a lot of confidence from yesterday, uh, took everything we learned as well and did the exact same thing today and it yeah, came off in the end. For the yellow jersey, Kane Richards, he went across the line in 10th position, securing overall victory ahead of Johnson and Monk in 3rd position. Super happy, yeah, guys rode really well and uh, come off some good form from Nationals and TDU, so it's good to get some results and can't thank the team enough for it.
So there was the highlights there of the final stage. I've got to ask you, Karen, did Brenton say I would have won that if you had to design a better course or what? <laughs> uh, he did say that after the first stage. He did a, uh, a recon of it the week before and he said, well, nobody can ever say, Mum, that you've uh, set this course up for me because you certainly haven't. Um, That's important. Never mind. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, you were talking about what happened, what goes on and, you know, behind the scenes. There is so much that goes on behind the scenes with, um, you know, permitting and, and mm. roadworks that appear when they're not supposed to appear and police you know, involvement, you know, we had about, we had 18 police solos and motorbikes, um, cars, you name it. There is so much that goes on behind the scenes that a lot of people just, um, you know, don't realise what it takes to put on these events. Do you feel that the tables are starting to turn in terms of general support from, say, councils and sponsors post-COVID to really sort of lift this, like the NRS series across Australia? I definitely feel there's a lot of support um, from council level. They're really wanting to get back um, events back up and running and they love the cycling events because from an economic um, aspect, cycling brings a lot of people and a really good demographic for them. So the, that groundswell is certainly moving. Iffy? Yeah, well done on the courses too. First day was at Woolamai. Now, I used to spend my uh, misspent youth down at Phillip Island and I always thought Willamai was a beach at Phillip Island. But it turns out there's a little area called Willamai just over on the mainland up in the hills where we had the race. And there's a little um, horse race course there. But we raced, it was about 20, a 27 kilometre circuit with yep. a big hill. Fantastic course um, and very fast downhill uh, finish. But that was a real surprise. I'd never even seen those roads before, so that was a, a, a ripper. And the second day we had Inverloch, also a great course. I knew those roads. Uh, Mount Misery, one of the toughest uh, climbs in the area, and they didn't have the hill climb on that. I, I, that surprised me a bit, but anyway, it really set the race up. But fantastic racing uh, uh on all of the levels and then that final little crit in real and again cows is only 5k away I used to go to cows every Christmas holiday these are great insights because it all comes back to you John you know no, it's all I'd stuff that I'd never been to real I'd never been there oh, that's so amazing beautiful oh, I'm so cow. glad I know that now <laughs> but John John you mentioned we didn't have a KOM on Mount Misery and they're the things that came up we lost officials we lost um, you know workforce we even lost our traffic management company a week out. So, you know, what happens under the water is, you know, you're just <laughs> scrambling to make sure. But no one sees that. No. Um, and the only the only comment is, why wouldn't you have a hill climb here? We would love to have had a hill climb there if we'd had more manpower. And, um, you know, it comes, down, it comes down to that. And for me, the ultimate outcome is that we have safe racing, fantastic racing, and we had all of that. And um, that, the end result for me is, is that. Fantastic. Now, all those people you lost, did you find them later or were they still lost? <laughs> They're all stuck away at home with COVID. So, you know, the COVID, the COVID gift keeps giving and uh, whilst we're out there enjoying life somewhat again, um, in the events industry, it's, it's still significantly challenged with um, COVID and being able to get contractors, being able to get staff, um, and the constant changes the night before of someone calling saying I can't come in, I'm a close contact or I have COVID, really challenging. And that and that said, that even happened with Sarah Giganti, as you heard. Mm. She was supposed to be on the start line and, you know, she, she messaged me the day before and she got COVID. 
So, you know, all these challenges that we are still faced with. Well, we, yeah, we spoke to her on the podcast last week and she was so excited. Um, so we were gutted that she didn't get a chance to, to race again. But talking of events, I don't know if you saw the New Zealand National Championships. We did a podcast yesterday with um, George Bennett and he was saying that the morning of, he could he thought it was raining, but it was the wind. You know, it was the leaves on his roof and he thought, geez, yeah. this is going to be rough today. And they chopped out a lot of the course on the day at the last minute. So it turned into like a 120K race. Then it was like when the bus hit the finish line at the tour, the, a guy went off the road with three and a half minutes. There's 60K to go. And then they get a call saying, that's it. One more lap. Like, you're done in 10Ks. And everyone's like, what? What's going on? The yeah. protocols with insurance. They said, this race is not insured because it's categorized as whatever. And they said, we've got to call it, like, pretty much call it off, but we'll finish it. And then there was uproar afterwards and, and you sort of go, well, hang on, think about the race organisers here. What are their options? What can they do? And as you said before, there's so much that people wouldn't know that goes into these events. And what do you think about it is over time, how do you better manage stress, Karen? Because you almost got to be preempting all these different scenarios just to get it on, on the road. Absolutely. And and we're probably going through that right now, actually, as you say, with the Power Call Melbourne to Warnable coming up on Saturday. Uh, the challenges we've had over the last two days, you would be horrified to um, even know what I've just been going through with um, course changes that are imminent because of road constructions that we haven't been told about with staffing issues, um, you know, all sorts of issues that are going on behind the scenes, but you can only deal with what you can only deal with. And you just take it one issue at a time, resolve it and move on to the best of your ability. Is it? It's obviously the hardest thing about the job, but there must be a part of you that just loves it, like getting in there and just managing this stuff. And then when you see that event done, there must be a real satisfaction as, oh, my God, I survived. Well, that's exactly it. Um, I did question myself a couple of times yesterday and today and said, is this the last one I ever do? Um, I seem to be starting to be able to get some air again today with um, things resolved. But at the end of the day, the adrenaline for me is like a sprinter coming across the line. It's seeing um, the results at the end of it and everybody's so happy and the feedback that you get afterwards. And that for me is um, extremely rewarding. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. If he, well, so we've you've just brought up the the uh, power core uh, Melbourne to Warrnambool, which, as you say, starts uh, on, on Saturday at uh, uh, Avalon Airport. So take us through uh, um, what's going to be happening. I hear you've got sort of a fairly well known identity going to be firing the starters gun. You have got a scoop right here because we have not told anyone, but. Um... A level Australian rider that has won a Tour de France uh, yellow jersey or two. Mr. Evans will be joining us to fire the start gun, which we're very excited about. It's a race that he's followed over his entire career and um, he rang and offered to uh, come and say hi and start the gun for us. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, the race, That's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. So the race will start at 8 o'clock from Avalon Airport on Saturday and make its way down to the famous Raglan Parade. Um, we will have the live streaming down there for three hours, um, the SBS live streaming, and then we also have Mike Tomolaris and Patrick Shaw uh, hosting a live streaming party in the middle of Raglan Parade. So if you can't watch the bike race, make sure you're watching the live streaming. 
Fantastic. So SBS and, uh, Cycling SBS, uh, not SBS, but Channel 9 uh, uh, doing a live cross to the start on Saturday as well. Yeah, possibly, John, possibly. Um, yeah, there's, there's a few little uh, complications around that one, so we might just oh, leave okay. that one just oh, there. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> but more <laughs> excitingly, more excitingly, um, we're thrilled, and it's taken three years to get to the start line, but thrilled to, to have the Lockhart Energy Women's Warnable Cycling Classic starting it's history on Sunday the 20th and we, yeah, it's taken a lot of work to get there. We've got 50 of our NRS um, female competitors on the start line and it's going to be a cracker of a race. I can tell you sadly that Sarah won't be able to line up on that start line either, um, which is really disappointing, but she has been advised um, not to be there and, yeah, she'll, she'll be supporting the race from the sidelines. Oh, it's a shame. It's a real uh, shame. Yeah. Well. But Chapeau, <coughs> hats off, Karen, because I know that you've been trying to get a women's uh, uh, warning up and, uh, and and running. So it's been you. It's been your doggedness that's got this across the line. And it's re, it's starting in Colac, but it's then doing exactly the same route as the as the men. Is that correct? It is. And, and look, yes, I am the one that's just been like a dog with a bone to get this up, but I've had some fantastic support from Tracy Gordry um, and, a, and a number of people to really make sure that we get this up and running. And, and I, I must thank um, the um, Victorian government for their support in helping to fund this. It's been, um, it's been the only way that we can get that to the start line. It is following the men's race. So, um, and, and what, how it came about was, you know, the women, the women are really not supposed to race the distance of the of the Warney, and we really wanted to give them something that they could have as a stepping stone, just like the men, to show these World Tour teams what they're made of. And one sixty is their maximum from a UCI um, approval. And you know, for for us, it was important to start creating their history. So we are. According to Matt Keenan, the longest one-day women's classic in the world and synonymous with the Melbourne to Warrnambool history, we want to create some history for them going forward. Well, as if you said, you should be congratulated, Karen, for you and your team that have done the work to get this up. And, and we really want to recognise, you know, people like yourself on the show that do all the hard work behind the scenes that people don't get to see. And, it, and it's people like you that are propelling the sport. So um, chapeau. And we wish you all the best for the weekend for sure. Yeah, thank you very much. And thanks for having me on. We love the show and uh, we'll continue watching. Good stuff, Karen. Great to <laughs> see thanks, you. Karen. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, guys. Yeah. See, see ya. ya. Karen touched on COVID. Uh, our next guest has COVID. So it's continuing that theme. And that's Craig Gita. Uh, so we're going to go to a quick ad break. And if he was very clear that he wanted the uh, Mamu Cycling ad uh, voiced by Phil Liggett. So we've polished that up as well. So we'll have a quick drinks break. And when we get back, we're going to be joined live by Carl Pilkington. Look at this bike. You think it's just a bike, right? But it's not. It's a bike. 374 people are looking at. This guy, this girl, them, all looking at it. People from here, there, and wherever this is people that are looking for a bike or just a piece of it amateurs semi-amateurs and pro amateurs this guy wants this bike but with this crank and these bars 
This could be the perfect match. But not this one. This girl has a bike to sell, and thousands of people might purchase it. Eyes on Bikes help grow small businesses. His, hers, yours, and the latest data and insights help those businesses keep moving. We are the world's number one bike marketplace with over 500,000 products and 900 brands where buyers and sellers are brought together in a place where a bike is never just a bike. Bike Exchange, where the world buys, sells, learns and rides. Are you dreaming of the ultimate cycling holiday? Mumu Cycling is the best in the business. Official tour operators for all Grand Tours and Monuments, you will ride the best climbs. Enjoy VIP access and race viewing all hosted by some of the world's best pros, including 17-time Tour de France rider and Paris-Roubaix champion Stuart O'Grady. Start planning your ultimate holiday at www.mamoocycling.com. Uh, thanks again to Bike Exchange and Mumu Cycling. Uh, you happy with that? How it's all come together, John, with the voice? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And look, <laughs> just quickly, Mumu Cycling, they are the, the world's best. They, they do it like no one else. So professional. So jump onto that website. Now, they have two spots only available for the Classic. So for Paro Bay, you go for, for the week. So jump onto Moomoo Salt and get all of the uh, – uh, there's some great photos there for those who are watching. Oh, you but, get around the Flanders region. <laughs> it is exactly. fantastic. And they do the, 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 the sportive events. You get to the uh, – to Robe Bay, you go into the shower, the famous showers at Robe Bay. You've got Stuart O'Grady yeah. as your host, who no one knows the race better. I don't know how many times he's ridden it, but he's won the damn thing. Uh, and special guests, like last time they had Eddie Merckx, special lunch with Eddie Merckx. Those yeah. are the type of things that it's only bucket Moo -Moo. list stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Marcel Berger, uh, the, the boss, uh, and Stuart O'Grady, you know, they're a great team and they just deliver. So the, the important for anyone who's thinking of going away, and there's an extra bonus for the Giro this year. Not only you can come at the beginning, the first week you can come uh, in, into, uh, into Hungary uh, for, for the first three days and then down into Sicily. Not only do you get Stuart O'Grady leading them for that, uh, and there's only a handful of places left, but... I'm going to be there as well. So there you go. Oh, wow. A plus or a minus, we don't know. But I'm really looking forward to, to working with Marcel and the team and, and Stewie, of course. Uh, so it's going to be exciting. So you can come uh, into Budapest three days in Hungary. I've never been to Hungary before, so I'm looking forward to that. I reckon it's one of the most beautiful uh, countries and Budapest one of the most amazing cities. So mm. I'm looking forward to that. And fly down to Sicily and a few days, Mount Etna, all of that. So it's going to be something special. Only a handful of spots left, so jump on to Moo Moo. Um, for those who are listening to this, so we'll put it up there so I can spell it out correctly. Oh, thanks, mate. Oh, you forgot the M website already. M-U-M-M-U -M cycling. So one word, dot com. That's yep. the way. Jump on. If you said to me, from all the times I covered Green Edge, you can go to like one race, it's Roubaix. That's it. 
not even thinking about it because once you see it live, it, it it's a game changer. Like, yeah. yeah. So there's only two spots. So don't muck around. Uh, our guest now, Craig Geeter. He's been in the World Tour for 84 years. Uh, he's been a mechanic. He's a Kiwi. And let's bring him in now live. Craig, how you traveling, mate? How's, how are you feeling? Yeah, good. Feels like I had a hangover for the last few days, but uh, <laughs> coming right now. I, know great, how you feel. I have been. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> nothing like booking yourself on the detour when you got COVID, mate. This is fantastic. Yeah, I've got nothing else to do. Yeah, that's it. Um, now, we, we've got a lot to unpack here. Uh, obviously, you've been in the world tour, I said 84 years. It's more like 60. Um, yeah, that was a bit of a joke. But when you started, you started – we've had Dave McKenzie on in the past talking about, you know, um, Linda McCartney team. That was your first uh, team that you cut your teeth into. Um, what was that experience like, Geet? Yeah, it was um, – there was a bit of an eye-opener. I wasn't really sure what I was doing and uh, just got told to – tag along and uh, go with the flow and it was uh, yeah, pretty big eye-opener. Only mechanic in the team for a couple of years. And were you working with the sheriff, Neil Stevens? <clears throat> yeah, at the end it was, yeah. When the team, uh, the last few months uh, when the team went uh, belly up, he, he had come along. <laughs> were, were you in the car down under that day when he, he told Macker and that to ride back to the hotel? Yeah, <laughs> yeah out at the beach there. Yeah. What can you remember about that? I just remember it was a pretty warm day and the, the boys didn't do what they were told to do and they get to the finish and they're all sweating like hell and look tired and everything. And he, Steve-O gets out of the car and walks up to them and he says, here's a couple of bottles, ride back to the hotel. <laughs> and I remember that Macca reckons that when he was riding back, he got about you know, 20, 30 Ks in, he's grumbling and that. And then he's going, no, actually, I'm feeling all right. And then goes out, wins the stage and reckons that that had a big part to play, doing the extras. <laughs> but but obviously, Gita, you know, we, we formed it. I remember when you are um, mechanic at like Radio Shack and we'd see you with the Fox Sports days, but it was when you came across the Green Edge, we really, I really got an appreciation for what you did on a daily basis. And one thing we did do is a sunrise to sunset in 2012 where Craig maps out what he does on any given day. So to give people an insight into what goes into Gita's job, uh, let's let's flash up the detour DeLorean. If roads? You... Well, we're going. We don't need roads. All right. This is a day in the life of Geats back in 2012. G'day, I'm Craig Gita, mechanic for Green Edge Cycling Team, and welcome to a new series of From Sunrise to Sunset, and I'll take you through a normal day in the life of a mechanic. My day kicks off about 7am. I sleep in my clothes to save time. A quick brush of the fangs and it's off to brekkie. I like to eat cereal and some fruit to keep me lean. Oh, and did I mention I was from New Zealand? Then it's off to make sure the cars are filled with petrol. All the cars are given a quick polish and they're ready to go. Today's stage is a time trial, so we get the rollers ready and last minute tune-ups for the bikes. Pump the tyres up and they're off. Then I load the bikes onto the roof and jump into team car for the start. 
before the riders head down the ramp, I wipe down the tyres. Road racers are a bit busier. I normally service the riders when they have problems or if they get a puncher. And when the riders come in with the bikes, we load them into the truck. And now normally we go back to the hotel and wash the bikes and prepare for the next day. But because it's the last day of the race here, we pack everything into the truck and we drive directly back home so we can wash everything in the service course and get ready for the next race. So thanks for coming and joining us on another day from sunrise to sunset. Hope you had fun. Ah, good on you, Gates. Fresh in the face. What was that? That's 10 years ago now. That's scary. Um, what, what is the most stressful part about your job, Craig? Going to it? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't find it that stressful anymore. Yeah, you don't uh, get that was a, That was a bad question. It's yeah. probably the least stress mechanic that I've ever met. But, I mean, races, we were talking about Paraboo Bay before, for a mechanic. I mean, that relationship between rider and mechanic is crucial, particularly in the lead-up to races like Roo Bay because, you know, they're whinging about tyre pressure and all that. Is one of the stresses when you're dealing with a rider that is so particular about their bike and at the last minute you might have everything done, everything packed up, and they say, hey, mate, I want to ride a different chain ring or whatever. Is that one of the parts that gets under your grill? Yeah, you get you get the odd person that does that. Not so much anymore, but uh, Durbo was the most famous for that. Um, but he's calmed down in his old age as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're at, we're actually going to do the recon next week, uh, uh, the week after next. So he's got plenty of time to <laughs> think about what he wants before the start. Um, yeah, no, just fine minute, uh, last minute tuning sometimes can be a bit stressful, but. Um, but generally, yeah, it's it's not too bad. We we saw last year uh, when uh, Mark uh, Cavendish cracked it with the mechanic oh, yeah. about some little thing I wouldn't can't remember, but he did it in, in public, which was and really tore strips off the guy, and then stormed off. Apologise later. Have you ever had a rider do that, like out in front of everyone, give it to you heaps? Yeah, actually, uh, well, we were. We were coming into the into of Flanders, coming from the old Quaramon into the Huddersburg, and uh, Mitch Stocker had about his fifth puncher of the day, and uh, we had a bit of a head-to-head -head the, on the side of the road while I was changing his wheel. <laughs> lucky, there, lucky there weren't too many people around, but but uh, yeah, tempers rose a bit, and we started. He blamed you. He blamed uh, you for the punctures. I uh, didn't really blame me. Just blamed the product at the time, and then uh, <laughs> of course vented. I was the first one to get it, and I vented back, and he basically told me where to go, and I got back in the car, and afterwards we had a beer together and had a bit of a laugh about it. But I remember you told a famous story. Was it Levi Leipheimer was particularly about his saddle height, and he used to go, oh, "I told you guys that," and you mechanics would go out the back. What did you do after that? <laughs> yeah, he he used he he was the worst. Um, I hope he's not watching, but he um, he doesn't watch this. <laughs> he 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 used to sit in the bus right up until the last minute, and then as soon as we'd start the race, he'd want to adjust his saddle every day, one millimeter up, one millimeter down, this way, that way, and that was that was kind of stressful. And uh, on the on the end, we um, we just started. Uh, 
working away, hanging out of the car, adjusting his saddle and said, is that good? And he goes, yeah, it feels much better. And we hadn't actually adjusted anything. <laughs> <laughs> but Eddie Merckx was like that. Eddie Merckx was, was famous for just minute changes of, of uh, um, stem length and, and saddle height uh, and all through his career. Talking and, about minute changes, Will Wizard, what's happening to the audio? I think it's your microphone if you need to move it in front of you. Into the middle. That's it. Now talk into it. Hello, we're wizard. I hope you're well, mate. We not. We want better. more of your insights. Jason Cruz from the Maldives says hi, gents. G'day, Jace. And uh, <laughs> Jared says not that interested in European races. Will you run tours to the bakery? Don't <laughs> start that. Don't yep, start that. yep. They're on. They're on. <laughs> now, now one other funny incident, Gee, was when you and I rode in the car at Paris Bay. I think it was 2013. Now that was a hilarious day. But one thing we did get wrong was the edit of the backstage pass that year. I want to show you the clip. And then we could talk about where we stuffed up after. Uh, so far, we've seen. Uh, look at this Womble. <laughs> He's going in reverse. Um, so far, we've um, done four or five sections of cobbles and uh, Stewie's off the front when a group of four. Cookie decided to stop, he came, he wanted to get in the car but we made him do a couple extra K for training to make it shorter for him and we're off to the next section. Arnenberg. Arnenberg. Now, that was an innocent clip, but what we didn't show the viewers is Cookie did a mountain of work in the early parts of the race and his job was done. But you and me being smart asses, we sound like he just stepped off. And I remember Cookie ringing me going, mate, what is with your selective editing? I go, what are you talking about? He goes, you make it look like I'm a bloody clown. You didn't show any of the work I did early in the stage. And if he, you know, I'm surprised you didn't chime in there because that was justified. <laughs> Well, there you go. I just thought he'd just take an easy way out, but there you go. You fooled me too. Yeah. Well, Gavin wants to know, Gavin B says, what has been Craig's worst day in his job? Is there any day that stands out where you go, that was just an absolute shocker? Yeah, actually, my first ever Giro I did um, with Linda McCartney. Um, we were, back then, before cycling really got serious, we were in the last stage of the race and um i rocked up with a sporting hangover and um i had the worst wheel change in the world with i think it was max Chandri and uh he punched it on the final circuits when they were going hell for leather and i think it took me about two minutes to change the wheel and in the end he just rode off casually like he was no way in alley was coming back <laughs> <laughs> And, and, Jack and, and, and they didn't have didn't have discs. You couldn't blame the discs back then either, mate. Jeez, nah. I couldn't even get the wheel in. <laughs> Jack Butler says, Gita must be the only mechanic I can name. Love the road of rule, my piece of the world video from way back. I should have shown some highlights of that because we had a lot of fun. Have you still got the BMW where the door snapped off? Yeah, I have, and the door's still sitting on the, by the side of it in the garage. <laughs> now, for people watching this that want to be a mechanic in the world tour, there's only you know a handful that get the opportunity to travel around the world. 
Um, what what is your advice if they do have a passion that go, I want to do what Craig does? Yeah, if I can do it, then anybody can do it. Um, not putting not putting myself down, but um, yeah, I came from a, a country that as far as far away from the cycling world as you can possibly get, and um, and yeah, once you get your foot in the door, you just, you just go for it, and and uh, yeah, it's not that hard a job really. But the new technology <laughs> must have given you the irrits with these disc brakes and the pad brakes and, you know, has that made it a lot more comfortable or once you get used to it, it's, it, it is what it is? Yeah, it's like anything. Once you get used to it, it, it becomes quite easy. But you do – there's been quite significant changes in bikes in the last couple of years. Uh, when the electronic stuff first came out, you just uh, crapped yourself thinking, Christ, I need to be a, an electrician and you're too scared to touch something to start with. But – yeah, once you once you've done it a couple of times, it's um, just becomes normal. I remember you saying to me that you'd had no form, like most team mechanics have gone through being mechanics at bike shops and all of that. But I remember you saying to me you had no formal training. You just didn't didn't have the money to get your bike fixed when you were racing when you were a youngster anywhere else. So you had to learn to do it yourself. Yeah, yeah, I learned to do it myself. Uh, used to used to repair my own tubulars or singles as you guys call them and um pull them apart stitch them up and 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 do all that sort of thing and then i did work uh part-time in a bike shop when i got better at fixing my own bike and uh, i got paid in bike parts so i could put the parts on my bike <laughs> <laughs> now one thing we talked about on last episode if he was the thefts um you know oh, the yeah. shimano truck got st- 10 million bucks worth of parts and all that has that um affected the world tour teams or and you know at races is that something that you guys have had to be a lot more vigilant with you know just watching out for people nicking your stuff yeah we actually got broken into uh two weeks ago in paris we had uh we flew from paris to saudi arabia and then flew back again and and then a couple of people went back to service course with the the guys' bikes who had finished Saudi, and then we had in the van uh, the bikes for the guys who were doing a tour of Oman, and uh, somebody smashed the window and, and stole all the stuff out of the uh, cabin but didn't actually get into where the bikes were. So oh, what can you do, what can teams do to dial that up? Because the old school way to protect your stuff is to park the cars against the like the roller doors and things like that. Do you think it's going to get a point where you've got like a team rock wheeler that travels around with you? <laughs> it's not a bad idea, actually. Um, you yeah, we, we, <laughs> we, we, do, um, we do park vehicles, uh, jigsaw puzzle all around the, uh, around the truck, so it's harder to break into but at the end of the day when when people really want to get into it they find a way to do it um but if you make it as difficult as possible then it's uh, it, it sort of deters them a little bit but it does still happen it still happens year after year and um uh, to different teams and uh, luckily we've only been hit a couple of times um, our women's team got uh, all their bikes stolen last year at one of the races in france oh that's right yeah <clears throat> That's to so, get other teams to help out. Yeah. Yeah. Iffy. 
No, that's scary stuff. I mean, you, you back your you van up against a, a wall and things like that, and then the, the dirty dogs get up and open like a like a tin can. They open the roof and pinch the bikes. They've done all of those sorts of things, so it's it's getting really tough. I I, I know some of the teams who have actually been putting a stretcher in there and having someone sleep inside the truck. I mean, <laughs> they've done that. So that maybe that's uh, going to be you the have next to draw thing. straws for that role. Yeah. And some of the French hotels are bad enough. <laughs> but it. just, just put an esky in there, half a dozen stubbies, and yeah, I'll, I'll... <laughs> yeah. Um, just give people a sense of the scale of a world tour team, Gita. Like, how many bikes do you actually have in total uh, for a season, and then how many do you sort of factor into? Because there's some races where there could be a mass pileup. You know, bikes crash and snap, frames gone. What what sort of scale are we talking about here? Uh, I think we have around 280 bikes in the in the men's team, um, and uh, each rider has basically three road bikes at the race, and if there's a time trial, two time trial bikes, uh, and then they of course have a time trial bike and a road bike at home. Uh, we carry the trucks, a uh, 18 ton proper truck, so we have spare frames and uh, all different sizes in the uh in the trucks so we can basically change a frame if uh if one gets broken mm. now <laughs> i it, it's interesting isn't it because look you know i've been on quite a few heroes and tours and, uh, and whatever and i know how much you guys have to work so normal a stage finishes around about five by the time the, the actual team bikes get back to the hotel it's often <coughs> after six you guys are all there waiting for that so then suddenly you guys don't even get to have dinner to you know sometimes that's nine why Craig's so skinny doesn't late. eat but you, you do hours and hours of work and sometimes you have to late dinner and have to go back and do some more things my question was going to be how much harder like on a normal nice sunny day in, in in France good roads it's not too bad but when they you get a shitty day with some dirt roads some gravel that they throw in now how much harder and longer is your day when you get that uh, we normally work around uh, once we finally get back to the hotel, depending if we have a transfer or not. Um, we generally spend around three hours um, if we have no issues, um, just washing and, and prepping the bikes again. Obviously, um, everyone loves to chuck in some gravel and, and some uh, cobbles and grass and everything else except for normal roads now. So you, you get more punches, more damaged wheels, uh, and that takes a little bit longer to do, but generally we have uh, extra wheels in the in the truck, and sometimes it comes to the point where you where you've got so much work that you'll just change the wheel, and then the mechanic who does the next day uh, goes to the next hotel with the truck, will then repair the wheel while we're at the the stage that day. Now, one other thing that people wouldn't realise is, you know, because the team splits up and travels all over the world, sometimes you have to get day mechanics in or mechanics that are just employed for that race. And a famous story for us would have been the 2012 Tour of California where we got this bloke from Belgium to come in. Mario. And I, Mario. And I can remember Steve-O. So part of the mechanic's job is to fill the car with gas. And Steve-O gets about halfway through the stage and he looks at and he goes, ah, could have a bit of a problem here. I said, what's that, Steve-O? He goes, I think we're going to run out of juice. And he goes, he was meant to fill this bloody car up. 
And then we literally limped to the finish line. And I've never seen a greater bake than when Steve gave Mario a dressing down. And I don't think I ever saw him in a race again. I think that was enough. Um, is there ever, ever been any incidents like that where you've gone, oh, no? Like, I'm, I'm in deep. I'm in deep here and I've got to, I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. Yeah, actually, uh, I was at, uh, last week I saw Mario. He's, he's back in the World Tour working uh, with another oh, good. team. That, uh, so yeah. good, eh? And I was talking to him about that, the only mechanic that I've seen Steve-O make cry in the car park. <laughs> Full-grown full, full man in tears. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but actually, yeah, last year, uh, uh, me and Andre, the, uh, the Polish-slash-French uh, mechanic, we went to tour of Czech Republic, which was uh, more or less a thousand K away from our service course. And I just flown straight in from the Olympics and uh, Andre had been kind enough to prepare everything and load the van and that. And um, we, we got there to the race and we're, we're sitting there casual, casually in the afternoon. We had a couple of hours free before the riders turned up and we were starting a WhatsApp group to, um, to ask what riders each day what equipment they prefer for the next day and, and things like that. And um, we're rattling through the names and um, Andre's like, no, no, he's not here. That guy's not here. And it's like, uh, yeah, he is. And um, he had thought that uh, Armand, our Norwegian rider, was uh, was coming. And um, in actual fact, it was Jack Bauer coming. So we didn't even have his bike. So, um, oh, oh, no. <laughs> and I had asked Andre, should we go through it and double check? And he's like, no, no, I'm 100%. I've got it right. And uh, And I just sat there and thought, how the hell are we going to do this? And then uh, Andre says straight away, how the hell are we going to do this? And I said, you can, you can get in the car and drive back again and get his bikes. Is <laughs> that luckily, what you had to do in the end? No, luckily uh, one rider was actually flying out of Milan. To An Italian rider was flying out of Milan a few hours later and, and they got the bike to the airport for him and he arrived with it. Um, I've got another question for Will Wizard. He said, most stressful thing is race transfers in the Tour of Britain and ducking and detours under bridges in Italy. Um, that's another thing that you've got to factor in, the height of the trucks. Have you ever had run-ins with overpasses? Uh, I had one run-in um, a couple of years ago in Paris-Nice. I was driving after the stage. Uh, our, our race starts after the, the bike riders' race finishes. We the mechanics grab all the bikes, jump, rip them out of the riders' hands and um, jump in the cars and take off so we can start our job. And uh, I, uh, Zabi is one of our um, Michael Schumacher's of the team. And uh, to follow him after a race can be quite difficult. And uh, I was whizzing along and the gps was telling me to go all over the place where there were no roads and uh, come down this under this bridge and it, and it had something like one meter 95 or something on it and i thought ah, surely i'll fit through there and uh, i think i got through by about two millimeters from lopping half the settles <laughs> off the off the bikes that sounds like an iffy story <laughs> sally sally wants to know is parry roubaix the hardest on the bikes um yes and no um they take a they take a beating but but generally not um something like a grand tour is probably harder where they're just thrashed day in day out um crashed uh you know dumped on the side of the road uh, uh washed every day 
you know, like um, wear and tear wise, something like that. Whereas Paru Bay is only one day and, and you see them come in and are quite a mess afterwards. But once you go over them with the, with the water blaster, they generally come back to, to where they are. They do cause the most punches in, in one day, obviously, and, and probably damage of wheels. But um, generally, it, it sort of looks worse than it actually is. Mm. Well, it's been dry most of the time. I mean, you've done quite a few parallel bays, but we've had uh, for the last few years like one or one wet day in about hey, like fifteen years or something. It's been uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I've um, I think uh, I've done I think twenty one parallel bays now, and uh, I think I've only ever been in two of them where it's been proper raining. We talk, we talk, obviously, trying to pick your brain about who's the worst rider, who's the most stressed. Who's the best rider over the journey that you've worked with in terms of – it always feels like with support stuff, it's about respect. And over the journey, I would see riders that would make you work hard. I remember one time Gero bought, you know, like a speaker for you because you did extra work on the bike. Who's the riders that you've most enjoyed working with over the journey? I think for me personally, the the – the nicest and uh, probably best one I've ever worked was, with was uh, Laurent Jalabert. Um, he was um, at the top of his game, obviously, and for, for a long, long time. But he was so polite and calm. And if he had a problem with his bike, he would um, get off and not make any fuss. He would just say at the end, oh, uh, my gears were a little bit bad today or, or something wasn't quite right. And he'd smile and say, thank you, and walk off. And uh, whereas some riders, um, you don't blame them and it's not personal, but they'll, they'll come in and uh, they're probably so, so much on the rivet and they'll get off the bike and it, it was the bike's fault or the bike let me down. And, and, and it is true that that does happen where um, you have uh, problems with a bike right at crucial points and it does cost you uh, quite a lot in the race, if not the race. Um, but yeah, in terms of the, the, the calmest, nicest person, it was for sure Jalabert. Now, one, one other insight people wouldn't know is you're heavily involved with New Zealand Cycling Gita. Do you want to explain what your role is and uh, how long you've been doing that role? Um, yeah, I, I've been a mechanic for the Federation since I think around 97 or 98, 98, I think. <coughs> and then, uh, since 2013, I've been the road sport director, but I have an actual official title now, uh, and that's the um, <coughs> road program campaign manager. And that everyone, good. yeah, <laughs> ev ev everyone in the team here gives me shit about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very political. <laughs> yeah. No, so you'll be at the you'll be at the worlds this year in Australia. I sure will be. That's the plan. Yeah. And, and how have you found being on at races like the Olympics and that with the Kiwi guys? And, and can we ever see the day where a Kiwi will win gold or, or wear the rainbow bands? Yeah, I think we can. Um, we've already seen uh, in my time at Cycling New Zealand, I've seen uh, um, junior world road champion and uh, elite woman uh, champion and time trial. But uh New Zealand cycling and across the board is, is just getting bigger and bigger um, every day, every month, every year. And the depth that we've got now is is, uh, is phenomenal compared to 
say 10 years ago or even even less and we've got a great bunch of uh, world-class under 23s uh women and uh elite men we're getting more and more in the world tour and um one we'll we'll knock on the door one day and um I think you'll be there with the slab of cans ready to go. (laughs) Or or in my wheelchair. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Will Wizard's got another one. He says, is Bikey Shane's Jaco riding tubulars or tubeless? Both. There you go. Yeah, so we ride uh, tubeless is uh, becoming more and more popular and a lot of guys actually really like them and prefer them. Um, But we, yeah, we, we... Mainly used tubular still because of uh, how many tubeless wheels we're actually able to get at the moment. But um, at some races, uh, the majority of the team is actually on tubeless. I just had a couple couple of quick questions for you, mate. You were with CSC for a while. Uh, How did you get on with uh, uh, Biani Reese? Because he's a different cat. (laughs) That's how I got my attitude. (laughs) <laughs> and the hairstyle <laughs> yeah same same hairdresser no I, uh yeah he was um I, I actually really rate him he's um he was he's super intelligent um on the inside he just uh, struggled a lot of the times to show it on the outside that in the past years when i've seen him at races he's actually i've had more conversations with him than i did when i worked in the team but um yeah he was he was just generally quiet and 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 came across like grumpy or angry or or just wouldn't talk and or and he's a foreigner so sometimes the way he comes across and says things blunt and direct that it's it, it sort of sounds uh like he's pissed off with you or something but yeah he was actually uh he raised the bar of of uh, the level of cycling and, and during those years of CSC and in terms of taking it from from uh fun to real serious <laughs> I remember Biani at the 2009 tour was there in Monaco and I was just asking stupid questions and he lost quite a lot of weight. And I remember saying, hey, Biani, you know, you see you've lost a bit of weight. You know, what's the secret, mate? Is it diet? You've been out on the bike. He just paused and looked at him and he goes, who are you? Uh, I'm Dan. He goes, look to the next person. He goes, next question. <laughs> I was just like... <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> Sorry, uh, you made a tread on your toes. There. I was, thought I was giving you a compliment. But anyway. when, when I when I first joined the team, I uh, I was at the when I first actually met. I had done a few races before I met him, and I was at the Danish national championships. And he was he came and stood beside of the truck, and he was looking at me. And I said, "Oh, I'm new. I thought I'd better introduce myself." And I said, "Oh, hi, I'm Craig, the new mechanic." And he just looked at me, and he went. Uh, and carried on. <laughs> uh, good stuff. And then you would have obviously worked with Brian Nygaard, Mini Me as well, back in CC yeah. days. Yeah, Mini Me was there and uh, yeah, he uh, turned up to a few races and then disappeared again and a bit like usual. And uh, yeah, then, then saw him back again with this team and then he disappeared again and I didn't even know he had gone. <laughs> Well, I remember the famous when I was homeless and Brian said, oh, you can live with me and live with him for four days and he kicked me out because I um, took a leak with the door open. Apparently, you don't do that in Europe. It's a thing. <laughs> so, oh, well, anyway. anyway. All right. Well, we better start wrapping things up, Iffy. 
What are you? What are you oh, going to ask Craig before we let? Oh him no, back? just we were talking about uh, those early days with McCartney, um, and you mentioned that Euro. You were there. Were you in the car uh, when Dave Macker won that uh, amazing stage? Yeah, sure was. Yeah, yeah that, that must have been incredible. something else. It must have been something else. Yeah, I remember. He, uh, I think it was. I, I think if I remember rightly, it was McEwen that told him to attack early, and he, he took off up the road and went. And then uh, come around the corner and went up a bit of a climb, and he went from about thirty seconds to about five seconds, and uh, and the bunch were all booing and laughing and, and this, and then he just uh, went over the top of the rise and uh, rode away. So yeah, we went up the front there and followed him, and and it got a bit hectic there where you don't think he's going to do it because he's so so long in the front by himself, and then Eddie Mussolini tried to come across and crossed, I think. 13 minute gap or something and got within 30 seconds and blew and then it's like shit he's actually going to win and yeah it's a pretty long sprint for our sprinter that day yeah it was a fantastic ride yeah good yeah. stuff fantastic i'll tell you what craig it's been absolutely sensational to catch up mate and i'll you doing the giro no, no, I heard you were going, so I'm going to the tour instead. <laughs> yeah, good luck, because I'm coming to the tour as well. So yeah. <laughs> I'll be at the tour as well, Gina, so we'll catch up and have a lager, mate. Yeah, for sure. Tell some old yarns that we couldn't tell on the detour. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, really appreciate you being on the show, Geats, and we'll, we'll check in with you soon and, and heal up from – oh, heal up, get over COVID and, uh, you know, don't make any mistakes. We don't want to see another grown man cry after a finish. <laughs> Steve-O, Steve-O's not in the team anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing. Good yeah. stuff, Gita. Thanks for, okay. Thanks for joining guys. us, mate. See you, mate. See you, mate. Bye. See ya. Well, there you go. There's uh, insights from a World Tour mechanic. Fantastic interview and a, and a great bloke and look forward to catching up with him in person. Anything you want to wrap up with, Ify, before we close out? Just uh, tell people to su- subscribe, uh, you know, and do all those things that you forgot to do at the start of the show. Yeah, so, I sh- uh, <laughs> should be doing the housework. But um, the mo- <laughs> what's more important is there's only, as we said, two spots left, and it is bucket list. I'm telling you, if yeah. you can do it, life is about moments, just do it because you won't regret it. Because when you see Rubay live, I tell you, it's, it's jump on to moomoocycling.com. M-U-M-M-U-Cycling.com, and it's all there. Two spots, that's it. They're going to get snapped up, so we gave you a heads up. You can't blame us when it sells out. All right, well, thanks for joining us again. We'll be back again same time next week, 6.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Thanks, Ify. Thanks, Gita. Thanks, Karen. We'll see you soon. Cheers.